Now, some of you know that I've been through quite a, a track the last six, seven months. Uh, two life-threatening experiences where they had to do surgery, triple bypass, fused my neck together, did uh, what they call a double laminectomy in my back about a couple of years ago, and it's just been one thing after another. But I want to share with you this morning the things that I've, I have learned over my life as a believer the lessons I have learned, and I, I pray that they will help you as well. And we're going to start out by just looking at a portion of Scripture that's not in your outline. You have outlines and something that will give you some direction. But we're going to be looking at a portion of Scripture just to, before we begin. It's on the floor. There it is. Thank you. I knew I had it before, so... Uh, we're going to be looking at a portion of scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now when you have time this week, you might want to look at verses five, 1 through 5 and really ponder this portion of scripture because it really is helpful as a believer. Especially some of us who are going through that time in our life when this body, this tent, this building that we are living in while we are on earth is beginning to fall apart, beginning to have problems. And Paul, as he was writing to the, the church at Corinth, he wanted to make sure they understood a very important fact about what it means to be a believer in Christ. And I'm just going to have us look at verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and live, leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. You know, the body I live in was made by human hands. Basically, the image there is that, uh, how did this body come to be? Basically, through my mom and dad and through their ancestors and the problems that they had, I have part of those problems. My dad had osteoarthritis. We have uh, degenerative disc diseases. We have other problems, but I have inherited then. So this house was kind of built by man. But there will be a time in heaven when I will receive a brand new house made by God. And that will be perfect. And it will never fail. There will not be sickness or accidents or all the things that we, we deal with in this life. But I want you to think that way. I want you to think of yourself this morning as a spiritual being who is living in a physical house right now, your body. For a time, and God determines how, when that time is going to end. But he wants us to grow into Christ's likeness even as our bodies are failing. He wants us to understand that when he allows things to happen in our lives that are difficult, those are the times that our faith can grow. That we can become more dependent upon God, that we can become more like Jesus. We're lucky we're living for that time that we're going to meet Jesus face to face. And for our time this morning, we're going to be thinking about that, and I'm going to be sharing some of the lessons that I have learned. Last month in June, I celebrated my 50th anniversary as a believer. I was uh, 32 years old back in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a drunk and busy in life, but also doing many things that I wish I could, could forget, but I can't. But God set me free, and I've been sober for 50 years, but also I have been used of God in ways that I hadn't even thought possible. But as I begin to think of myself as a spiritual being going through a physical experience, 
it's been helpful as I've gone through this time, even these last six or seven months, when I've not allowed what's happening to me to affect who I am as a person. And we're going to talk about that this morning. First of all, we're going to talk about the fact that one of the things that I've learned is that the Lord is always near to those who love him. Now, I share that because I was saved or I made my decision to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower in a good church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. But when I heard the gospel, it was about hellfire and damnation, that if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. And that's all I heard, and that's all I heard. So when I made my decision to accept Jesus, I was not comfortable with God, getting close to God. I was almost afraid of him. And so I didn't have that understanding that God was love and that he wanted to take me home into a new house, a new dwelling place, and enable me to enjoy life with him forever and ever. So when we think about God, we need to understand that he's always near. And if he's moved, he has never moved. Sometimes we move and we need to repent and go back and get our relationship right. But I'm going to be talking out of Philippians 4, chapter 4, to th- I mean verses 4 to 13. These verses have helped me for 50 years, enabled me to walk out of an old lifestyle into a new life. And I'm beginning to enjoy it more, even though my body is beginning to say, it's not long, you know, God's going to take you home. I don't know how many of you have had a bypass and you know, have wondered, when is this going to end? You know, is today the day? I don't know. I've never thought that much about it could be the day, but now I know it could be because uh, all of the stuff they had to do to get me back. You know, I just went in to have my neck fixed. They took a probe through my arm to find out what they had to do. I woke up and had a triple bypass, and my, my wife and my two sons had this signed on the paper that it was something they wanted the doctor to do. I thank God for that. My Nancy and I laugh about that. It would have been a good time to say, boy, he's out of here. Just let him go. But no, they said, no, we want him around a little bit longer. And so when I woke up, I began to think through what just happened to me. And I began to think through these verses again, especially starting out in verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that portion of Scripture has begun to mean so much more to me, that I can rejoice always, no matter what is going on with this body and what seems to be going on with my family. And, you know, as the family grows and you begin to appreciate life in a different way, and you have now not only grandchildren, but we have seven great-grandchildren. And it's just been an exciting trip to know 50 years ago, God took me on a trip to say, hey, we're on our way to heaven. And on the way, we're going to learn some things that will help people to understand what it means to have a personal relationship with the living God. To know that he's always near. And when you need him, you don't have to look for him. You don't have to yell out in the sense the way we somehow have to yell at somebody we want to talk to. He's always here. He's always near. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Now, what that means is that you have to have a personal relationship with God. 
if you're going to call on him and he will hear your voice. He's saying, I want to have a personal relationship with you, but it has to be a relationship that requires you to understand your sinfulness, to understand what it means to start repenting of the sins that the Holy Spirit is going to convict you of as you walk along with the Lord. And it's, it's a life that's going to be lived to bring honor and glory to the, the Son. And I am so glad that 50 years ago, my pastor didn't say too much to me, but I think if some of you may have heard that, he told me to seek out a life verse. And I found 1 Peter 3:15, But set apart Christ as Lord in your heart and be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason of the hope that you have. And that has been my life verse. It's been my... Intent with life is to say, how can I share the gospel by the way that I live my life, by the way that I give God the honor and the glory? And I see, you know, I've enjoyed so much Bethany and their way that they say, hey, have you shared your faith this week? Have you shared the gospel this week? And let's get about it. This is what it's all about. But the Lord is near. And in James 4 to 8, it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. And uh, I just wanted to share that because you, if you get a hold of the fact that God wants to know you to know that he's near, he's always near, and he doesn't need to have you yell, he just needs to say, call out to me. I know you need help, but I want you to ask me so that I can prove myself to you, so that I can show you the way out of the predicament that you find yourself in. And it has been such a wonderful time the last six months difficult i didn't know if i'd ever talk again when they did my throat i didn't know what would happen with the, the bypass what that means for me i began to kind of wonder each day you know how long is this going to last and then finally i said only god knows so quit worrying about it <laughs> just trust him with it and allow him to have the honor and the glory that is the second thing i have learned as a christian and being a person who lived my life without thinking for too long, I just kind of did what seemed to be the right thing to do. Seemed to be fun because everybody was doing it and they were having fun. But I didn't fully understand this lesson until later on in my relationship with Christ. For the most part, our thought life determines our behaviors. And if I'm going to really become more like Jesus, I got to think about the steps that I am taking. I have to think about the thoughts that I am pondering and keeping in my mind. Because thoughts will come into our minds without us even trying. And some of the thoughts we think, why, that, why would that come into my life? I've been a believer for a long time. And now somehow there's a thought that is not pleasing to God. Why is it there? But then I begin to understand that if a thought comes in that is not pleasing to God, I can push it out with a thought that's going to bring honor and glory to Christ. Verses 8 to 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned and received or heard from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. 
Now, when Paul was writing to this, this letter to the church in Philippi, he was in prison. And as you think through some of the things he's saying here, he has learned, in fact, he is the one that is teaching the things that I have learned over the years about controlling my thought life, about really understanding what it means to be a person who's on the right track, who's really beginning to be led by the Holy Spirit, who's allowing God to come into their life in a fresh way. And the church at Philippi was in Macedonia, which is the present-day Turkey, but also under the influence of the Roman Empire. For them to be young Christians in such an environment and to know that their life was going to be difficult for them because it was difficult to be different in the Roman, under the Roman influence. You could not have a faith that made Jesus Christ Lord of your life without facing some kind of difficulty, maybe death. So what he's writing here is to encourage them, to enable them to hang in there, to enable them to understand that God was near to them. Because many of them had known that God was a God who was far off. You couldn't get too near to God or it was going to cost you dearly. They didn't understand the, what it meant to have a God who was so near to them that he could reach out and touch us in a moment's time. And so Paul writes these things to them and he begins to help them understand that your thought life is really going to determine your life. So you've got to be thinking through everything that you're going to do to bring honor and glory to Jesus. What would honor Christ? When the thoughts come in, we push out the ones that aren't going to bring glory and honor to Christ, and we begin to wait and act upon those who are from God. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, as I was going through the time of walking away from some of the things that uh, I suffered because of my surgeries, I was sharing with some before the service started that three months ago, I couldn't stand up and talk to people. I would fall over. I would have to explain to them, I'd been sober for 50 years, I'm not drinking. I just lost my balance. And my legs were not as strong as, but it's coming back, and they say it takes about a year. But the, some of the things that came into my mind, you know, what? Are you sure that God is good? Are you sure that God is near, that He's listening? Are you sure that God is going to use this to bring honor and glory to His name? And I was beginning to really wonder through what, is it time for me to hang it up? You know, I've been at it a long time. I'm be 82 in September, and is it time for me to quit? Right now, I'm a pastor to 25 pastors, which is the big thing I do. And once in a while, I'm asked by a church uh, just to come and help them think something through. But I was doing my devotional, and this has been several months ago now. And I came to 2 Samuel 19, verse 34 to 35. And I was reading about a man named Barzillai. And Barzillai, his name literally means strong man. And he was a man that was not only strong, but he was wise and he was very wealthy. And King David was running for his life, you know, because his son Absalom was after him. And Barzillai gave him a place to be safe and he fed him and took care of him during that time. And then when it was all over and David was able to go back to Jerusalem, David said to Barzillai, come 
Come to Jerusalem and let me take care of you. And as I began to read through Barzillai's response, it just made me laugh. For Barzillai answered the king, How many years will I live that I should go to Jerusalem with the king? I am now 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between what is enjoyable and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? Can I still hear the voices of male and female singers, meaning I can't tell the difference anymore? So I'm just not good for much. Why would I go to Jerusalem and let you waste your time on me? And I thought, is that a word from God? Am I supposed to say, you know, I'm going to be 82. Is it time to hang it up? Is that what that means? And then as I really thought that through, the Holy Spirit says, no, that's not what's true. God doesn't want you to let the body that you live in determine who you are and what you can do. If God brings healing, he gives me the chance to keep doing what I'm doing, you will know that that is God's will for your life. So kind of go on really believing that this is going to pass as well. And, you know, I wrote my supporters, my churches, and told them what was going on and let them determine if they still wanted to help me with my ministry. And it's just been a, a freedom thing. You know, I have times when I, I find things difficult, but I still enjoy eating. <laughs> I still enjoy listening to good music, and I can tell the difference between the men and the women. You know, Barzillai just kind of lost sight of what was really, really, really important. And what I thought is something that I learned years ago when I read a book called uh, The Seven Habits of a Successful Person. And one of the habits was controlling your thought life. And this principle was down, and I just put it down. Sow a thought, reap a word. Sow a word, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reach a destiny. And I've really tried to apply that to my life today. If there is a thought worth pondering, it will become clear to me, what is the word from God? What should I do? And then as I act on that word, I begin to reap an action. And the more I reap an action, the more I do something, the more it becomes a habit. And then it reaps a character, and it reaps a destiny. You know, and that is so true. This old man here has been changed dramatically over the last 50 years. But a lot of it has been because I've taken the steps to say, I'm going to ponder the thought life, the thoughts that God gives me, and determine if this is from God or not, and if it is, what would he have me to do? What would he have me to do? I was with a couple up north just this last couple, three days ago. A man and a pastor and his wife were just going through a really hard time. And we spent quite a while together and prayed together. And it was kind of a family thing. And it was such a kind of a feeling that God had sent me there just at the right time to help them. And I went home and told my wife, yeah, God still has something for me to do. And I want to tell you, no matter how old you get, God has something for you to do. And people have said, well, what can I do? And then they say, well, I could pray. Well, that's the most important of all. If you can really become a prayer warrior for your pastor and for your 
people who work at church with your youth and with your children and really be in prayer for Bethany, really be in prayer for that neighbor or that person that just needs help. And I know Revive Wisconsin has really been a big thing, really been a big thing. I, oh, Pastor Kim can't tell you this, but Pastor Kim and three, two other people were walking in Wausau asking people if they could pray for them because that's what Revive Wisconsin is about. And they came upon a woman who listened, told them some things that they could pray about. They prayed for her. They gave her a Bible. They gave her the bracelet. And she was going to ponder what she had heard. And they were about ready to leave. And she says, do you know Pastor Josh in Mosinee? <clears throat> and Kim says, I sure do. He's a good friend of mine. And she says, would you tell him that if something should happen to his wife, I'm available? <laughs> so they told me that, and my wife, she says, she really began to laugh. She says, because I'm going to outlive you, but I, whatever. That was quite a thought, but that was a character issue. Somehow in her mind, she was some, I was somebody that she wouldn't mind being married to, and I don't understand anybody that would want that. Now, the third thing that I've learned, and uh, this is probably... A little bit harder, for, it was for me. It was for me a little bit harder. You know, Paul says that the secret to living a good life is seeking a life that will make you to feel content. Be content in all things. And we're going to see that in just a minute. Philippians 4, 10 to 12. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You know, Paul was raised in a family where there was lots of uh, money, his dad was a rabbi, and in that culture, they, made, they did well. And then Paul was raised, and he became a rabbi for the rabbis. He really reached to the top. So he had everything, if having what this world will offer you was what it was all about. And then he, you know, met Christ in a unique way, you know, and was blinded for a time, and then he, all of a sudden he made his decision to be a Christ follower, and he gave up everything. And he learned the difference between having plenty and having almost nothing. And then he learned how to be content. And as I begin to think that through again, you know, for me, being content is having a satisfied mind. That I am satisfied in my mind that I am in the will of God. That if God should call me help home today, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I will see that smile on his face. And this is really important to me. Because now that I knew that uh, when I had to sign that piece of paper, that I may not recover, I may not come out of the surgery twice. And this may be the end. I may never talk again. I mean, da 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 how they, they do that to cover all the bases. But anyway, I really begin to think this through. If Jesus should take me home today, would I see him and have a satisfied mind? 
And what I understand, really, do I understand today that God will take care of me no matter what, no matter what happens. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And as I began to work this through, and this message began to unfold with me, for me, I went to church, and my son was leading the music. In one of the songs they sang that, that time, when I was going through this time of really sorting it out and trying to figure it out, was there's victory in Jesus. And I began to hear, sing that song and hear that and understand that the victory is mine because of Jesus. And I learned what it meant that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. For 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, that's talking about spiritual things. It's not talking about physical things. Spiritually, God can do things with me that I never thought possible. And boy, that is true for me. And I don't understand it. And I know that I am a sinner. And I know that uh, I need to really give God the glory, stay humble, and just appreciate what he's done. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. There have been times when uh, I'm thinking or pondering or trying to sort things out, and God gave me this song, and this is a portion of that song that I sang. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, Dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. And as I was going home and thinking about that, that word somehow just jumped at me. Because I don't know how God's going to bring the healing. You know, God's way of healing may, may be taking me home, but God's way of healing may just be unique. A couple of weeks ago, I was at New Day preaching and using the, some of the same material because I think this is God's will for me. And a young woman came up to me, and she said, you know, I saw you three months ago in the hospital when you were there, and you looked terrible, and I didn't think you were going to make it. And I says, well, thanks for sharing that. But, you know, I think that was true. God, all of a sudden, has brought healing into my life. And he's given me a new kind of a, a push along the way to say, I'm not finished with you yet. I want you to tell people about what I have done for you and how I have brought you through this time. And they can understand what it means. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can always know that God is near I can control my behavior by controlling my thoughts. I can be content by being ready to leave this world with a satisfied mind. <clears throat> and it's crazy how when you're thinking about something like this, something else will pop into your mind. And this is an old country western song. When my life is over and my time has run out, my friends and my loved ones, I'll leave there, no doubt, but one thing for certain, when it comes my time, I'll leave this old world with a satisfied mind. And I thought, wow, 
That's a good song at this particular point. One thing I want to do is leave this whole world with a satisfied mind. You know, we've got uh, things that go on in our lives that make life more difficult. And my wife has got having a really hard time walking today. <coughs> and uh, today is our daughter's 60th birthday. She was born handicapped, brain damaged, but she's done so well, so well. But the doctors called us in and they said she won't live past 30. And we've laughed at them. They didn't know what God was going to do because Lee has handicaps, but boy, she understands and knows the word of God. She knows songs and the verses, the words of songs that I don't even remember. She's got a memory that is amazing, amazing. She can't reason things out, but she's got gifts and she uses them. So today we're going, after we're done, to 2510 and she's going to get 60% off her, her prime sirloin, her prime rib, and she's going to have a great time and she's going to just really smile when they get that 60% discount. But... Uh, as I'm closing today, just a couple more verses that can be helpful as you go through this, and it's all in the outline. And go home and kind of think it through, because this can really help. It really can help you. It's something that God has given to me over the years. He gives strength to the weary, and it increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40, 29-31. And then 2 Corinthians 12. Paul, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I was sitting there, my voice was starting to go, and I thought, boy, I wish I had some water. <laughs> he brought water up to me. I've been here all this time, so that's about what it means to get old. Now, I hope you can <clears throat> gain some help with this, no matter how old you are, that maybe you can go home and you can think through what it means that I'm a spiritual person who's going through a physical experience and as I walk and this body begins to get weak, my spirit should get stronger. My spirit should get stronger. And we can understand what it means that we, that God is always near us, that our thought life determines our behaviors, and that the goal in life is to see Christ with a satisfied mind. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your word and how it has helped me for the 50 years that I have begun to know you. And I know that I'm still in that process of gaining a better understanding of who you are. And I'm also beginning to be convicted of things that I never even thought I had. I think some people think as we mature in Christ, we become free. No, but as we mature in Christ, we become more aware of our sinfulness 
but then we become more aware of your love for us. And you do love us so much. And I pray that you will come down upon these people, upon this church, and help them to really know what it means to live for Jesus, that one who died for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.